Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. It's amazing how they just keep coming one after another, each in its own way, grand and glorious. How about we spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show doing what we do, which is engaging in energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, some recreational fitness and some South Dakota pride. South Dakota pride. You'll find all about what that means here as we progress in the program. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us today, as most days, which is Good. That's a good thing. Thanks for spending some time with us today through your radio, streamed live on KSOO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. And I tell you people, get out there and get that app. Get out. It's like we're having a little contest. I, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but there, there's something of a contest. It's not official. It's just for pride. But, uh, you know, all the stations here in the Results Radio family you know, probably you have the Radio Pup app, and that's a fine, fine app where you can get all kinds of radio stations. But now each of the stations here in the family of Results Radio, whether that's your B102.7, your uh, your your Hot 104.7, your uh, ESPN 99.1. Uh, Mix 97.3. Mix 97.3. Kicking. Kicking's in there. KXRB, KXRB on the AM and FM. All of us. Now, we got our own app. So they are a wonderful thing. Yeah, they're really cool because you could just touch, bam, boom, then you're streaming live this program. Maybe you like to listen to a little Main Street Cafe in the morning with Chad and Beth. Reading the articles that are published on KSOO.com, yes. also available at the KSOO app. Yes, the, app, the, the news stories that Dan and Beth put together, as well as, oh, some of my commentary and uh, Stuff everybody writes from the results radio. Oh, yeah, there's some goofy stuff that Chad puts up there every so often. Yeah, Chad puts up some goofy stuff. There's no question. Every once in a while, he takes the cork off and goes after somebody. But, you know, <laughs> not not very often. Uh, you can get your uh, various uh, and sundry uh, views of Mr. Randy McDaniel from KXRB. He's in there a lot. Boy, he loves getting diving into the history of the small towns and the ghost towns. Yeah, he's been he's been taking a mental tour around South Dakota for some time. Well, for about how many years? He's been taking a mental tour along with his physical tour for a number of years now that we won't go into. But uh, so you get that app. But so here's the deal. So like everybody's sort of tracking how many apps people have downloaded, right? And you know, Hot 104.7. You know the kids who listen to Hot 104.7 with all the the pop music and 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 the uh, hip hop and such. Well, and they all have updated phones where they get sixty four gig of yeah. memory. Yeah, so th- they are do- they do quite well, and uh, some of the you know some of the other folks are doing, you know. But we we need to we need more people to download the KSOO app, and I and I only say that not because I'm gonna you know win any money, <laughs> just you know a little pride would be nice, but just because it's good app for you people. You're spreading the gospel of the yep. KSOO app. It, there's no point in being subtle on these things, right, Dan? Just just go out and ask. You know, you might as well just make the ask, because if you dance around it, then people think, well, is he really what? that interested? No, we're, we're, we're just laying it right out there. This is sort of like a telethon. It's a telethon for the app, the KSOO mobile app. You just go into whatever app store you use, and you type KSOO, because there's only one, and boom, pops right up. So there you go. Go get it, people. 
Throw me a solid on that one. Remember, you can always follow along live here on Facebook at the KSOO page or on our Twitter account at P. Lally Show. You can throw us a comment or question or what have you. Tips. Tips are nice. It's always good. Um, you know, I was going to tell this story last week, earlier this week, I mean, from my uh, recent travels uh, with the, uh, the flying around with the nine-year-old and the seven-year-old. And I mentioned it, and I, I, I don't want to let this go without saying it because it was... It was impressive. So you know how it is when you're you're flying and you gotta you get into the airport and you gotta use the, the facility. You gotta use the restroom. So uh, on this trip, two males, two females, split up, go to the bathrooms, right? And so the nine year old doing what he does, drops the drawers because when you're nine, you just all the way down and uh, uh, shuffles up to the lowest urinal there, which is fine. But then there's this big dude to to his left. And the nine-year-old, being a engaging little human being, turns to the guy and says, and we were in Minneapolis, he says, are you from Minnesota? <laughs> and the guy says, no, no, I'm not. I'm from, I'm from Montana. He says, oh, well, that's cool. The guy says, well, where, where are you from? Uh, South Dakota, Sioux Falls. The guy says, oh, do you like it there? And the nine-year-old, love it, love it. <laughs> and the guy says, oh, that's great, that's great. And uh, uh, the nine-year-old says, uh, you, you should come, you should visit. <laughs> Man, he's, he's, sign him up, put him in the Convention and Visitors Bureau. I know. Terry and the gang love this kid. This is like, uh, he's like an ambassador for the city, uh, you know, at the urinal line. <laughs> And I'm standing there just waiting, and I'm, oh, no, you don't talk to people in the, no, but, you know, somehow when you're nine, you can pull that sort of thing off. And, you know, all right, see you later. <laughs> so hopefully there's a guy out there in Montana who's contemplating a, a, a vacation in down beautiful Sioux Falls. Somewhere between Bozeman and Broadus, that guy is. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, he didn't go into where, so I'm not exactly sure. But he didn't seem to have any problem with it, so we got away with it. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include, uh, well, we're going to chat with a couple of sailors from the soon-to-be USS South Dakota, which Ooh, is... Sailors. Sailors. Yep. Anchors away. My dad's an old Navy man. Really? Yes, he was. Well, there you go. Yeah, he was a he was a media he studied meteorology in the Navy. Oh, that's cool. And he was a meteorologist during the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. And he said there was no time for fooling around when those flyboys came in from the West Coast. Yeah. And they he would give the flight briefing, weather briefing for the pilots. Oh, wow. And and this is we were not fooling around during the time of the Cuban Missile no, Crisis. No, so he was he down in Florida? Where was he? No, uh, Dallas, Texas. Oh, wow. They had a naval base there in Texas. In Dallas? Dallas, Texas, yes. That's naval Air Base, a, not a, not a I port. See. I see. A naval not, Air Base. That's cool. Uh, we'll have a couple of these guys in, and uh, they've been in town making their rounds. Uh, the official launch of the of our submarine, our Virginia-class nuclear submarine, is uh, coming up later this year. So they're great guys, uh, and we'll talk with them later. Blogger Pat Powers of the DakotaWarCollege.com. He will chat about state politics. The smart cyclist Michael Christensen is our weird friend of the day. He's got a lot. He's got an unfortunate tale from uh, the world of uh, bike commuting. And I'll have a P&L statement just after the break. Today's topic, 
the NFL, and the National Anthem. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 318 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's the time for the PL statement here on the Patrick Lally Show, that time when we look around through the news and find things that anger, uh, humor us, uh, make us think, make us uh, completely lose our minds. That's what we do here for just a little bit each day in this time slot. And today I was, you know, cruising all my usual news sources and I ran across this column uh, by a gentleman named David French, who is a senior writer at the National Review, and he had written an op-ed for uh, the New York Times. So I saw it on the New York Times, but it's David French from the National Review. Many of you may know him. He is a writer of some import. So he uh, is writing about the NFL's decision Uh, what they call a compromise on the whole kneeling during the national anthem controversy saying you you don't want to stand you can stay in the locker room if you come out and kneel they're going to find the team right so but i thought this was a a rather uh uh, insightful column from the conservative point of view and and i i agree with this column um And his lead is, the United States is in the grips of a free speech paradox at the same time that the law provides more protection to personal expression than at any time in the nation's history. Large numbers of Americans feel less free to speak. The culprit isn't government censorship, but instead corporate, community, and peer intimidation. Conservatives can recite the names of the publicly shamed from memory. There was Brendan Ike hounded out of uh, Mozilla for donating to a California ballot initiative that defined marriage as the union of man and a woman. There's James Damore, Damore, abruptly terminated from Google after he wrote an essay attributing the company's difficulty in attracting female software engineers more to biology and free choice than to systematic discrimination. On campus, the list is as long and grows longer every semester. Um, And he says it is right to decry this culture of intelligence and advocate for civility and engagement instead of boycotts and reprisals. The cure cure for bad speech is better speech not censorship. Take that message to the heartland and conservatives cheer until that is Colin Kaepernick chose to kneel. Uh, And he goes on, um, talks about the uh, uh, compromise uh, and says, this isn't a middle ground as the NFL claims. It's not a compromise. It's corporate censorship backed up with a promise of corporate punishment. It's every bit as oppressive as the campus or corporate attacks on a expression that conservatives rightly decry. But this is different, they say. This isn't about politics. It's about the flag. I agree. It is different because it's about the flag. The censorship is even worse. And this is a couple of very cogent paragraphs here that I that really caught my eye. One of the most compelling expressions of American constitutional values is contained in Justice Robert Jackson's 1943 majority opinion in West Virginia State Board of Education versus Barnett. At the height of World War II, Two sisters, both Jehovah's Witnesses, challenged the state's mandate that they salute the flag in school. 
America was locked in a struggle for its very existence. The outcome was in doubt. National unity was essential. But even in the darkest days of war, the court wrote liberating words that echo in legal history. Quote, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. And that's just a great sentence from that decision in 1943. Mr. French continues, make no mistake, I want football players to stand for the anthem. I want them to respect the flag as a veteran of the Iraq of the war in Iraq. I've saluted the flag in foreign lands and deployed it with, with it proudly on my uniform. But as much as I love the flag, I love liberty even more. Later, he continues, in our polarized times, I've adopted a simple standard, a civil, liber- liber- civil liberties corollary to the golden rule. Fight for the rights of others that you would like to exercise yourself. Do you want corporations obliterating speech that state can't touch? Do you want the price of participation in public debate to include the fear of lost livelihoods? Then, by all means, support the NFL's NFL cheer Silicon. By all means, support the NFL cheer Silicon Valley's terminations. Join the boycotts and shame campaigns. Watch this country's culture of liberty wither in front of your eyes. And the column goes on. It's a great column. And I encourage you all to read it. I've put a link on our Twitter feed. But perhaps the problem here isn't one of free speech. Maybe the problem here is the overhyped patriotism of the NFL. Professional football doesn't have anything to do with national political discourse. Not really. It's football. Sure, everybody in this country, in whatever setting, has a right to use a platform political speech. And that person suffers the public consequences of that speech. That's true whether you're an athlete or an actor. The misstep, in my mind, is that we ever got into this position in the first place. The flag-waving and flyovers have created a stage of nationalistic fervor. For decades, the players weren't even on the field during the anthem. This is forced conformity and groupthink at its worst. The NFL, as they do on many things, have screwed this up from day one. But President Trump, who is driving this debate in large part, stepped completely over the line since the decision was announced. With his comments during an interview on Fox News that aired this morning, And I'm sure many of you have seen the stories about this. It was on Fox and Friends. And he he said, you have to stand proudly for the national anthem and the NFL, NFL owners did the right thing if that's what they've done. You have to stand proudly for the national anthem or you shouldn't be playing. You shouldn't be there. Maybe you shouldn't be in the country. That's a completely absurd statement and goes completely against the well-thought and well-made points of Mr. French. The president again demonstrates ignorance of the fundamental tenets of American society and our Constitution. You can be mad at the players. You can say, I believe that's wrong. I believe they shouldn't do that. But you do have to address the underlying reason that they are doing it. It is not 
because they don't love the country. It's because they do. So the president either doesn't understand the Constitution or the concept of liberty or of free speech, or he does understand and he understands completely and he's trashing those principles without regard. Which is worse and is undeniably destructive for our country. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree with me, you can email me, Patrick at KSFY. KSFY. What's up with that? That's a Freudian slip if there ever was. We have a lot of KSFY on this station, but this is KSOO. Patrick at KSOO.com. Or you can jump on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. Send us a comment there. Always a good place to have a conversation. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist on Weird Friends. You're going to want to stick around for that. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand KSOO, and I am very happy to have in the studio with me, as we do most Thursdays. And actually, I'm you're quickly becoming my favorite weird friend, Michael yes. Christensen, the smart cyclist, because he can pop right over here and sit in the chair. Coming and, in at number one on the favorite <laughs> friends countdown with a bullet, with a bullet. Um, you did <laughs> got it, got Funny. it. He's a funny guy. Uh, anyway, the smart cyclist is here uh, on Thursdays, and we talk about all kinds of good stuff. Now, we need to talk about one thing here very quickly. Are what you do we o- got? Are you okay? I am okay. I, I understand that you uh, went down. Man down! My watch face is scratched. <sighs> Bruised, but not broken. <laughs> the roads and surfaces were moist this morning, Patrick. <laughs> There were some moist roads out there. There's no question about that. And I did fine on the street, and I did fine on the bike trail, and I did fine in the Hy-Vee parking lot, and I did fine until I got to my workplace parking lot. Oh, no. I believe they refinished it last fall. Oh, no. Smooth. Icy smooth. <laughs> Slick. <laughs> I can't believe cars aren't just going greening everywhere. Deceptively slipped. Slick. Yeah. Did you hit like a paint line or something? I even, I, I got up and I looked. There must be paint there. No paint. It was just total black asphalt, but probably, you know, covered with that sealant, that oily sealant. Yeah. And yeah, just bam, my my left hip and my chest are what hit. So nothing like, nothing the, not too, nothing not too sturdy. The fleshy, so, it was the fleshy bits. Yeah. I got a bruise <laughs> on my hip. I got a. I got a little mark on the top of my watch. It's it's always stunning when it happens because yeah. it ha- I, by definition, um, if you could stop it, you would. But it, because it happens so fast, you don't even realize yeah. it's happening until it's over. Yeah, and and the funny thing is, I teach this stuff, right? I say <laughs> I teach these road hazards. Like I'm just telling you this, not because I think you'll avoid it, but because when you do fall off, you'll remember. Oh yeah, Michael mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't mention open uh, parking lots as a yeah, potential hazard. I got careless right at the end of my ride. Because you are a, a certified instructor with the League of American Bicyclists, correct? Yes, I do occasionally teach safe cycling to 
anyone who will listen. So let that be a lesson to you people. The hazards are everywhere. Everywhere. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I went down last year just going around the corner. Same thing. Yeah. It was through a puddle. It was a little ice. Boom. Hit my head on the ground, but I was right. all right. This is actually my second collision this year. My other one was, though, in on single track. and That doesn't count. Right. It shouldn't count against my driver's license no, because... It, it just hit a tree. I hit a tree. <laughs> <laughs> you expect it when you're doing that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, you know what? Speaking of single track, though, uh, coming up this uh, next month, June 30th, right? Yes. So uh, we're both on the board. He's the president. I'm, I'm the member at large, which means I don't do anything. Uh, for the Falls Area Bicycle. Long time member at large. Long, longest serving member, maybe in history at this point. Continuous. E- easily. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there used to be this thing that we do called Tourist Who Falls. Yes. We're not we're not doing it that way. That, there's some changes coming. A shift. A shift. And it's going to be different. It's got a new name. It what, does. What is the new name? Sioux Falls Trail Challenge. And what is, Michael, the Sioux Falls Trail Challenge? Falls Area Bicyclist is challenging all comers to do the f- their first or a circumnavigation of the entire trail. You mean ride around the loop? Do the full loop. Do the loop. The full 20. Now, to seasoned cyclists, they hear that and say, what? It's still 20 miles. But you know what? I remember the first time I went all the way around the trail. Yeah. When, like, the north section was all gravel still? Yeah, yeah. Like, wasn't it just last year that that finally got paved? A uh, couple of years. A couple yeah. of years. It's been a while. But, yeah. So, for a guy like me, when I did it, that was significant. And we want to invite listeners, riders, Sioux Falls people who occasionally get on the trail to stretch themselves a little bit and go all 20. And, but you don't have to do all 20, right? Right. Um, I'm reading... Yeah, that, that we've got a 10-mile option, and we'll shuttle you back to the start-finish line. Oh, cool. And and we've got a choose-your-own challenge, too, which I guess means you start, you go out, and you turn around when you're half-tired. <laughs> Come back. Against the wind. And so... Well, then you're all tired when you get back. <laughs> so you get, do you get to pick which direction you go? Um, I think so. The uh, starting spot has changed as well, because it used to be at Cherry Rock Park. Well, it was at Falls Park, it was at Cherry Rock Park... Now, now, Remedy Brewing, which has a nice back open space, mm-hmm. um, big parking lot there behind 8th and Railroad, direct access to the bike trail from there. So, yeah, that is the host site. That is pretty awesome because the bike trail spurs right up off the river into the right, right into 8th and, and Railroad. Yeah, 8th yep. and Railroad. So, Absolutely. that's awesome. Yep. So the June 30th. June 30th. Is this like an all-day affair? Is it like a gun that goes off? How's that work? Uh-oh. We'll have to, I don't know about guns. <laughs> there won't be any guns, but. You went there. There'll no. be like a, I think there's like a starting slot. Yeah, like, not a nine to two is our window of opportunity. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I, the masses will start at nine um, and just we're saying be done by two, come yeah. back. Um, we've got six rest stops around that 20 miles. Awesome. Does that make it one every three miles? Something like that. Roughly. Three, three point. so we'll encourage you all the way around we've got finisher so we got pass a passport system yeah that will indicate that you've been all the way around and so finish your prizes at that point and yeah we're inviting riders runners rollers however you want to do it 
Um, and we've got a lot of runners that enjoy Falls Area Bicyclists, so maybe they should get a group together and go 20. Well, and running the loop is a thing. Yeah, I've noticed that for the first time this year. Uh, for training, because uh-huh. it's a perfect distance for if you're training for a marathon or trail running or whatever. And But normally when you do this, you don't have six rest stops out there waiting exactly. for you. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll be out there to, to water you every That's three miles. That's genius. And you can run. Oh, you can easily make it. You could start early, but if you started at 9... Most of most of the runner types, you know, they like to start if, at dawn. If they're going twenty, then they know how to go twenty, right? Yeah, exactly. But you know, if they want to start, somebody might stretch themselves from fifteen miles to twenty on that day, but yeah. they still know how long it takes. Well, and you know, they they're always. I'm just going to say this, just between you and me. Mm-hmm. All right, both of us are kind of runners, right. but I'm just going to say that the, the the runners can be a little bit weenie about running like late afternoon, late morning. Sure, sure, sure. They like to oh. run and. It, Okay, as yeah. a as a and I say this only as a point of reference, not as any way to uh, braggadocious in any way. <laughs> Being a, as a three time Ironman finisher, um, I always say you have to end up doing the running in the middle of the afternoon when it's hot. So you might as well practice during that time, right? You <sighs> got to get used to running in the heat, and so whenever the heat goes up a little bit at a marathon, people start collapsing, right? You know, and I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> But for those who don't want to be Iron Men and women, they might be inclined to start earlier and just finish sometime between nine and two, right? Sure. And you, yeah, just come down and be part of the festivities. Yeah. That's that's what come, it comes. Come down out to. and play. Yes. June thirtieth. June thirtieth. It's the uh, the Fab uh, Trail Challenge, Falls Area Bicyclist Trail. Well, it's called the Sioux Falls Trail Challenge, sponsored by Falls, Falls Area, Area Bicyclists. Bicyclists. Now, the reason I brought up single track because yes, right, and and this is outstanding. This is maybe the best reason to get involved. Where's the money go, Michael? So because I'm involved in everything, um, <laughs> I am a board member of Falls Area Single Track as well. Um, and I abstained from these ideas, but the ideas happened anyway. The registration funds and any extra donations go to the Falls Area Single Track group, who is working on trails in Tuthill Park. And that's an awesome, awesome project. Yes. Having been involved with uh, various... F- uh, incarnations of various rides in this form. People always say, what do I get? Well, you, you know, we used to give them yeah. water bottle, all that kind of stuff. What do I get? Well, what's good money? We're, well, here's, you get to contribute to this great project. We're going to give them some dirt <laughs> in the form of trails that are rideable and fun in the city. So you don't have to travel somewhere else How about to go a for a quick ride. Commemorative bag of dirt. I know, wouldn't that that's a not <laughs> bad idea, really. If any of the uh team members of uh who are on this uh organizational committee, which is neither of us. Right. We just we just make ideas. We just ride along. It's come, come up with things for other people to do. Yeah. Exactly. That's member at large. And they could have commemorative bags of dirt. Here's your bag of dirt, ma'am. Yes. Use it wisely. I see the finisher prize maybe as that. A big bag of dirt. Let's give them something better than that. Oh, okay. But maybe include a bag of dirt. Uh, so that's June 30th. You can probably find more information on that at uh, fallsareabicyclist.com. Org. 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 Fallsareabicyclist.org. Right there front and center is our beautiful badge that says Trail Challenge. I bet it's being tweeted out right now by the man that that it, rides along with us during these segments. I'm I'm getting the thumbs up from the booth. The thumbs up from behind me. And yes. so, yeah, it's it's out there. It's available. We've got some registrations. The goal is $2,500. Um, so, yeah. A modest goal and easily yeah. attainable, but would go a long way, a long Absolutely. way 
towards, I mean, think about this, a, a system of trails. And if you haven't been back in Tut Hill, most people see the front side. Right. But you getting into the backside is a little tough. Imagine a trail system that goes from Tut Hill all the way basically to Paisley Park. Exactly. Because that's all public land there. Yep. For runners, walkers, hikers, bikers, everything. It's just going to be awesome. And built by a trail building professional. Yes. That won't deteriorate. Deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, not to mention the fact that we still have Leaders Park over on 6th Street. And Yankton Trail Park sections in Yankton Trail Park. So our system, our connectivity of uh, single track is growing all the time. And this is how you can contribute. Yes. Wow, we've done a nice job here. Our, we have, and our city is better for it. That's right. Maybe somebody should clip this piece of audio and maybe use it as a uh, promotional tool. All right. Somebody might do that. We did it live. <laughs> Mark it down. Uh, we've got a couple other things to talk about with uh, Mr. Michael Christensen, the smart cyclist, and we're going to come right back. After this very short break, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 350 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO, and we continue our conversation with Mr. Michael Christensen. You know him best as the smart cyclist. I I call him friend. Hi, friend. Hello, friend. Back for section two. Weird friends. Um, You know, uh, when I was gone... I saw, I, I realized I was going to miss this and it bummed me out a lot because I was, you know, I was traveling. And one of the events that I love is the taco ride. And there was the first in the inaugural 2018 taco ride was while I was gone. When it was like last Thursday or something like that. I think it was a week ago Thursday. Uh, how'd it go, man? I saw you, I saw you in the photo, so I know you were there. Yes. I'm easy to spot at the front in my black and white, white socks jersey. Which he's also wearing today. It went well. We counted 90 people. Really? Yep. It was in Hilltop, which meant elevation change. Uh-oh. Because you can't get to Hilltop if you're not willing to go up and down a little bit. <laughs> no. Um, so we shortened the route a little bit. It wasn't the usual 10 miles at 10 miles an hour. It was more like six or seven, um, all between 12th and 26th Street. And uh, it was good. Um, what was the taco stop? Gilberto's on East 10th Street. Gil- Bonson. The, the new Gilberto's. Gilberto's number two. I love Gilberto's. Or dos. Dos. I believe. Oh, you're you're international. I am. Um, so 90 people, though, is, and I remember this from past taco rides, it's not so much the distance. When you're traveling with that many people on bikes, it's tough to keep everybody together. Yeah, we're going to have to have some discipline next time. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't horrible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when people get out in front of me, I get a little nervous. Because you're the leader. Because I'm the leader. I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. I keep threatening. Let somebody get out there and then turn. And then just 90 <laughs> people, poof, disappear while they're riding off into the sunset. And they turn around. There's nobody there. Right. <laughs> oh, that'd be great to pull off. That would be really funny. But uh, yeah, and and significantly, this this came up more, or it's more of an issue this time, because by the end of the ride, I had like five kids under 13 riding up at the front with me. You're kidding me. No. The kids always want to be up front. The kids want to be up front, and having them lead 90 people, <laughs> I'm saying cycling in Sioux Falls is, gets brighter and brighter when I see that kind of stuff. Yeah, the taco ride is really growing. It started out, what, two years ago, something like that? Maybe three. Yeah, this it's is just, its third year. As very much a, a informal ad hoc 
collection of people who like to eat tacos. I said, I'm going to go ride for tacos. You guys can follow me if you want. Mm-hmm. No sign, just just very just informal. And just it's style. still, that's what it is still. Yes. It just happens to be 90 people. And we had, there was one ride last year. We had a lot of people. Yes. The, yeah, I can't remember which one. Second or third one. It was a hundred, it was a hundred and something. Yeah. That was a lot. That's a lot. So, but these are going to continue through the year, right? Yeah. There's, we try and do we, they, it happens three whoever, times a year. Whoever does this taco ride does it three times a year. Three times a year is kind of the, the target. Next so. one's in July. Yes. So there is a Facebook page if you want to find out more details and get updates, right? Sioux Falls Taco Ride, I think, is something that you can search for in yeah. Facebook. And our taco ride was in Bicycling Magazine last year, right? Yeah. So I th- was that a like a taco ride feature? It was like a roundup. And we were, yeah, yeah. we were one of the places where you could go right. on a taco and ride. And that's one of my favorite things about being involved and seeing stuff happen because you get these national lists mm-hmm. and Sioux Falls is on it because of people I know. Yeah. Otherwise, it just wouldn't be there. It's just crazy. And, and that's one of the, I love that. Uh, we were going to talk about bike trail safety, and we'll do that next week. Okay. Okay, because it's, it's the, now is the time to talk about it. Yes, it right. is. And, and since my opinions on it aren't probably very popular amongst the bicycle yeah, community, we'll go. get them back. Uh, we will uh, take that up next week. But in the meantime, just be careful. Just be nice to everybody, and that will Please. go a long ways. It does. We're going to come right back and uh, talk more about stuff and then have news and weather and then have Pat Powers from uh, Dakota War College. So stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Public service announcements with guitar. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up Friday, and this is why I made that mistake earlier with KSFY. 11.30 to 2 p.m. Friday. Friday's on the plaza, which is KSFY's big party down there at uh, near their studio, 321 South 1st Avenue in the Courthouse Plaza area there. They've got music and food and all kinds of different things. This week's entertainment is Tommy Edwin. Uh, Kebab King is there, SDSU Ice Cream, Crazy Concessions, and Alex Lemonade Stand. So that should be fun. And it kicks off, I, I don't know, this might be the first or second, I think it's the second one of the year. So they have them pretty much all summer. So you can hang out down there with KSFY, our friends. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we will chat with Pat Powers of DakotaWarCollege.com. So you're going to want to stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and as we do most, uh, at least once a week. Usually it's on Wednesdays. This week it was on. It's a Thursday. Today's a Thursday. We've got Pat Powers on. Of course, he is the blogger at DakotaWarCollege.com, and uh, Pat's up in Brookings where he's enjoying what the beautiful sunshiny weather. Pat, right? Well, uh, today kids were let out of school, so it's more uh, trying to manage the chaos <laughs> yeah there's a no there's no consideration of of good times outdoors it's no, hurt, no. it's hurting it's hurting isn't it pat it uh, is well i i have a corgi which is the uh, smallest of the herding breeds for dogs <laughs> and and they, she she kind of keeps them in a circle <laughs> 
that's good to know. Nobody can bolt on a bike. They'll be taken down. Uh, that's right. Uh, it is. We are full on in the heat. We are in the throes of the final days of the uh, primary season, Mr. Powers. And of course, as we can expect, it's starting to get real out there. There's some interesting things going on in the in the both the House and the and the uh, uh, governor's Republican primaries, man. Well, there uh, you, you can tell we're getting down to the wire because the uh, uh, there's just a little snippiness going back and forth between the campaigns. Uh, there's uh, outside mailers coming in the congressional race, and and there's press releases and news articles coming back and forth from the gubernatorial candidates, and as, as they're they're all kind of jockeying for position to to come out on top uh, in, in the last, literally the last week or so of the campaign. This is very interesting in the House primary because uh, Chantel Krebs has been um, attacked a couple of times by uh, this a group, uh, Americans for Liberty, I can't remember what their name is. Exactly. Uh, it was uh, Citizens for a Strong America. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, Got it. And I, I, I've, I've heard people say they're a Koch brothers group. You know, I, I haven't done, I have to honestly say I haven't mm-hmm. done a lot of digging in them, but, uh, they've, uh, they've kind of carpet bombed the state with at least a couple of mailers. Uh, one, uh, highlighting, uh, highlighting tax votes that, uh, that, uh, Chantel has taken when she was in the legislature and, uh, another that was hitting her on, uh, a discussion to, uh, tax instead of taxing gasoline to put sensors in vehicles and to tax people based on their vehicle usage and yeah those discussions did happen but some of them were were four and eight years ago mm-hmm. so you know how how valid is that coming for the uh, you know if she was to be elected uh, you know that remains to be seen you know it, she's uh, you know she's been in the, she had been in the legislature for a long time, and uh, you know she can throw barbs at other people for other things, but she she's also got a voting record, and uh, her and Neil Tate will have to answer for it. Yeah, and th- th- you have to admit though these things were, and and we see this all the time. This isn't new, but the the latest one has her, you know, uh, kind of a wearing a crown, and you know it's <laughs> it's been doctored and it's very ominous, yeah. and and you know. I, it's it is stretching credulity to say to to reach the conclusions that these cards reach, and we should say there's no indication that either of the other candidates have anything to do with it. It's an outside group. Well, ab- absolutely. Probably the thing that bothers most people is you know we're we're used to a certain tone in South Dakota, and there's some lines we don't cross, and and they, you might see more campaigning like that with a with sharper elbows and in uh, bigger states, but we're, you know, we're South Dakota nice, and, and we don't necessarily, necessarily hit that sharply when in, in our politics in the state. Yeah, and there's been a lot of pushback on it, but there's not anybody really to push back on, you know. Whether it's, it, you know, there's been some links, as you said, to the Koch brothers. One of the people, you know, if you take this person is the, uh, the, the person who signed up as the head of the committee and they have this connection to this connection and you can track it back to the Koch brothers, but Koch brothers are no, it doesn't really matter. There's nothing you can do. Uh, the, um, but do you think that these things really uh, ultimately sway voters? They, they didn't seem to be very good at it. It didn't even hit all Republicans. Uh, you know, I, 
whether it uh, it's going to affect anything remains to be seen. Uh, you know, in in politics, people you know people have to understand that negative campaigning can work, but it, it doesn't force people to vote for the other side. It drives down turnout, mm-hmm. and you know, ultimately, they may be trying to push down the number of people who get out to go vote for Chantel, and and you know that. That also has an effect on obviously the other people in the race, but and that might be what they're trying to do is just to push down her voters. Yeah, um, we're going to come right back because I I want to talk more about the uh, governor's race. You mentioned it, and uh, that's also interesting. So we're going to hold over Mr. Powers through the break here, and we'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information One Thousand K S O O. Four seventeen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Pat Powers. He, of course, is the uh, force behind DakotaWarCollege.com, a blog that's been going now for quite a long time out of Brookings. And Pat, we talk to Pat uh, about once a week, uh, get his perspective on things from the right side of the aisle. Say, Pat, we were talking about the House race in the first segment, um, but I also want to talk about the governor's race because the primary between uh, Marty Jackley and uh, uh, Christy Noem uh, sort of took a notch up this week as well with this uh, whole issue of the sexual harassment settlement out of Brown County. Um, this is, uh, I don't want to say unexpected, but this is a potentially serious issue for Mr. Jackley, is it not? Well... You know, as far as him being the boss of uh, the Division of Criminal Investigation who was involved in that lawsuit, and, you know, it was settled and, and there was some, uh, you know, there are some allegations from the, uh, from the party who brought, successfully brought the suit that Marty was supposedly dragging his feet on mm-hmm. the settlement, but, and the others, you know, obviously the, uh, the state is saying, well, no, we really weren't. We just got documentation back. And there's, there's a little back and forth on that. Uh, but, you know, this close to an election, that's, that's not to be unexpected. There's, you know, there's, there's just some quibbling back and forth, and uh, everybody's trying to jockey for position or, or at least play defense as they go into the last week. Well, and uh, the Noam campaign was clearly on the offense on this issue, they issued a press release on it. Um, I think one of the stories I read, uh, uh, the the woman who was involved, Kaiser, she was uh, sitting with uh, Christy Noem at the Brown County Lincoln Day dinner, was she not? Uh, they were. Uh, the uh, you know Dan Kaiser, who is running for sheriff up in Brown County, mm-hmm. uh, you know he and his and his wife who brought the lawsuit. Uh, yes, they were sitting with Christy at the Brown County Lincoln Day dinner and. And supposedly that triggered a uh, uh, the, or I should say the allegation is that they uh, the attorney general took that to mean that they were allied and and uh, wanted a not a non disparagement clause in the settlement and and supposedly that came into it and there was there's been some bickering back and forth in that race. It, with regards to the non-disparagement clause. Yeah, which was interesting that they 
that the state, that the DCI wanted her to not talk about, basically not getting politically involved the way I, that's one of the things they would cover. And, and certainly, um, what was the statement from uh, uh, Christy Noem's spokesman where he said, uh, we are aware of the situation or something like that. That was kind well, of yeah, ominous. Yeah. You know, we, we interviewed her. We are aware of the situation. Yeah. So, so, so who knows? We'll, we'll see if something hits the airwaves in the last week. Probably the, the, one of the more interesting things in that race are their uh, campaign filings mm-hmm. for, uh, for the pre-primary filing that they have to do. Because the Jackley campaign reported uh, going into the last two weeks, they have uh, about 500000 in cash to, to push forward with advertising and, and all their activities. Uh, the Nome campaign reported they had a million in the bank. Yeah. So uh, that, uh, you know, we, can, we could see them significantly turn up the heat in you know, the last uh, 14 days, and especially with the Gnome campaign, uh, you know, a million dollars, you can buy a lot of TV time in South Dakota. Yeah, and I doubt Marty will leave any penny on the floor. Uh, no. Oh. He's going to burn all that money. <laughs> well, he's going to burn all that money, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be playing Dialing for Dollars uh, all this week, uh, trying to raise more to, to match that million dollars that Christie's got. In the and bank. he did have a, a pretty good uh, a report in terms of how much he raised in that time period, he, he actually raised more money, if I remember correctly, than, than Christie did, but she just has so much more money in the bank. Well, ab- absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty even match. I, I don't know that anybody would want to try to call that race yet. No. It's, uh, there, it's such a, so close. And, uh, you know, and, and they're both fairly well liked by Republicans. Mm-hmm. Mainline and conservatives. I mean, they're not... You know, uh, there there's probably some grousing on the far right, but they're they're pretty broadly based in both in the party. But you know, neither one of them is it seems out of touch with mainline Republicans by any means. Well, a- absolutely. You know, they they both have a broad base. It, it's not like we've got say a, a Laura Hubble if she had been able to successfully get yeah. uh, get her petition signed. You know, somebody trying to take up the far right and somebody trying to take up more moderate position, you know, Marty and Christie are both pretty evenly matched across the board and they have their, they have their supporters and they have their detractors. And, uh, so it's, uh, it, it's kind of, kind of like the civil war at this point. Uh, it's, uh, everybody like lining up with their candidate and we'll see where it falls. Yeah. And we've had some really good civil wars in South Dakota over the years. So this is just another one. Um, so, uh, what do you think the role of organization will play in these last few days as they, I mean, obviously voting is already underway and I imagine they both have very aggressive, uh, early voting operations, wouldn't you think? And to what degree does, does Christie being a veteran of several statewide campaigns now have an advantage at this point? Well, and, and that's, uh, that's another interesting point. You know, Marty has had two races prior to this Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I don't want to call them cakewalks, but uh, they were cakewalks. Yes. And so, you know, he's had two races compared to Christie's. Uh, has it been four four races? Mm-hmm. And hers always ha- haven't always been so easy. Uh, you know, Marty's got a, a pretty good campaign team, though. He's got mm-hmm. Jason Gloat, former 
state uh, Republican Party director, who was a veteran of, of many campaigns, even going back to the uh, uh, Barnett-Kirby rounds race. He was uh, part of the team that uh, worked with Barnett. And so, you know, he's been a veteran of a number of campaigns and is very, a very strong grassroots connection. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of helps make up for Christie having been out in the field every two years instead of every four years like Marty has. So, you know, I think it's pretty evenly matched. Uh, in the congressional race, you probably see more of the difference between the grassroots and non-grassroots campaigns there. Uh, you know, Dusty Johnson has a very, very strong grassroots mm-hmm. team. And the other two candidates, you know, they really don't have anything. And so I, I think that's, you're seeing, may, you might see a little more of, of uh, Dusty pulling away uh, because of that, uh, unless uh, people open up their checkbooks and, and dump in a significant amount of money to, to try to keep pace with uh, the people knocking on doors. What, what was in the numbers, uh, I'm trying to pull it off the top of my head now, for in that House race, uh, Dusty was, he had the most money, right? Well, he did have the most money. And actually, uh, while Neil Tapio, uh, Neil Tapio is the only one of the three House candidates who have their, uh, have their filings in, or I should say, or, or who have them posted mm. up to the Federal Election Commission's oh, website. Right. They're different so dates. Far. They're different dates. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We well, were talking and, about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they should have their reports in very soon, but. But right now, we don't know what uh, Dusty and Chantel have raised going into the last uh, the last period right before the election. So it's it's still a bit of a surprise here. Yeah. Uh, um, anything in those state uh, filings uh, in terms of the governor's race or the uh, attorney general's race or any of those others that uh, stood out to you? Well, uh, you know, you've got these three attorney general candidates, uh you know, Lance Russell and uh, Jason Roundsburg and John Fitzgerald. Uh, you know, Roundsburg is uh, is running very strong in terms of raising money. Hmm. Uh, I think he's got uh, probably about was it about fifty thousand in the bank, and he's raised sixty some thousand. And behind him is uh, Lance Russell, who's a state senator out in District 30, mm-hmm. who also has uh, a race for the legislature. He's running for two races at once. And then uh, John Fitzgerald, uh, who, who has been a prosecutor for the longest, but he has raised the least. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, uh, I think he ended up He's got like eighteen thousand dollars, and ten thousand of it is a loan from himself. Yeah, and they don't have a primary; they have no, they get no, selected they, at convention. So that's kind of interesting that, uh, that that there's that much money raised. Well, but you know that the money goes to different activities. Uh, yep. They're uh, they're carpet bombing the delegates with postcards. Uh, there's a group of about oh. 800 to 1,000 people who will be going to mm-hmm. convention or who, who have the potential of going to convention, and they're going to be making the choice. And, and I, I can tell you as a delegate myself, I'm getting postcarded and letters every yeah, week. Yeah, uh, Pat Powers, he is the force behind DakotaWarCollege.com, and he's on the show about once a week giving us the perspective from the right side of the aisle. Pat, I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll touch down with you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Patrick.
Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to talk to a couple sailors from the soon-to-be USS South Dakota. Stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. And I am very, very pleased to have in the studio today, I've wanted to do this for some time, I've got two gentlemen here, Joe Kelly and Anthony Sanchez, and they are, in fact, sailors. Not only that, they are sailors on what will soon be the USS South Dakota, the uh, latest incarnation of the USS South Dakota, but we'll get to that in a minute. Gentlemen, thanks for being here today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So the first voice you heard was Anthony. The second was Joe. And uh, they uh, tell us, guys, uh, just briefly, when did you find out you were going to be on the USS South Dakota? Anthony, what and what would you think when you th- heard that? You're like, oh, what? Yeah, I found out in about August of 2016, right after I graduated uh, BESS. At first, it said a pre-commissioned unit. I wasn't sure what that was. I had an X round. Yeah. And once I found out what it was, it was kind of exciting knowing I was going to be one of the first few guys on a sub, being able to experience it for the first time. Yeah. And uh, Joe, now, Anthony, you've been in the military how long? I've been in about two and a half years. Yeah. But Joe, you're the old vet of this crew. Uh, And as I said, when we met, would you go in when you were 10? Because... How long have you been in, Joe? I've been in for uh, almost 18 years. And so your rank is what? What, what do you call yourself in the, in, the, in, the, in the Navy? In the Navy, I'm a culinary spe- specialist, first class uh, submarine service. Um, I am actually the uh, CS division uh, leading petty officer. I'm in charge of the guys. So how many uh, culinary, your culinary experts, both of you, which, I mean, I don't mean to disparage the job, but you're cooks, right? You're the guys who make the food, take care of all the... Everything that needs to be taken care of for the for the sailors, right? Yes, that's what we are. We're cooks, making sure all the guys are good and they're all fed. Now, this seems like a very hard job on a submarine to me because you you can't carry a bunch of stuff with you, right? You got to be very very efficient. How hard is it to be a culinary expert on a submarine? It could get pretty stressful at times, but just knowing that you're doing it for the right reasons to. Uh, have the crew just push them forward. It could get pretty stressful on a sub, and uh, that's where the guys. That's where they're on wide on the on the cruise months, just eating our food. And when it tastes better, it just makes it makes it that much better. Yeah. So what kinds of Joe? What kinds of things can a sailor expect to get when you're out at sea on a submarine? You know, for weeks and weeks. What, what's the food like? Well, we have uh, some days that are pre-described already. We have uh, things like a surf and turf on Sunday, which is uh, sometimes can be prime rib and uh, lobster tails. Um, Whoa, we, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, we we try to help out the uh, with the guys every once in a while. It's on, we're all, we're on, um, a morale booster, so things like that actually keep the guys going when they're having a bad day. Um, we also have things like uh, Burger Day on Friday, um, and then we have uh, Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> so we uh the guys really look forward to those days and we uh we like to ramp it up. Yeah, awesome. So how many uh how many sailors do you have to feed? Our crew consists of about 135. Wow. So that's 3 meals a day, right? 4 meals a day. Yeah, there's 4 meals a day. Oh, that's a lot of food. You guys must be those got to be long shifts, right? I mean, you're working round the clock to do this. They're uh 12-hour shifts, so 
I would work 12 hours from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then my relief would come in and work from 7 at night till 7, a, 7 in the morning and so on. That's awesome. So it's, you mentioned uh, PCU earlier, which is, explain that acronym to me again. What does that mean? PCU is a pre-commissioned unit. Then that's what the, the, the ship is right now, the boat, our, our submarine, is a PCU. It will become a USS at what point? Um, fall of this year. Okay, and that's just when it's finally official. It's been christened. We remember that. It was christened by the, uh, wasn't it uh, the uh, First Lady of South Dakota, right? Uh, Mrs. Dugard. She, well, who hit the boat? I can't, but she was out there for that thing. Mrs. Dempsey. Mrs. Dempsey, and what is her role in this deal? Do you remember? She, she's the sponsor for the boat, so she, um, we give her updates on what's going on with the boat from the chain of command. Um, and we keep her in the loop, and she also comes by and visits us and makes sure that we're okay. Well, that's pretty cool. And so were you both at the, uh, uh, that ceremony, the christening ceremony? Yes, we were both there. What was that like? It was pretty cool because um, before that, the submarine was kind of split up. So for the first time being the, seeing the boat actually put together and seeing how it would look, it's pretty cool. Now this is a Virginia class submarine. Is that do I have that correct? Yes, that's correct. What does that mean? What what you know? It's Virginia class. Is it? It's a nuclear sub, right? It's nuclear powered and and uh, nuclear armed. Or what does it? What does that mean to be Virginia? It's a nuclear powered submarine. Um, we just are. Uh, it's the technology is uh, more advanced, and we're stealthier than we were um, back in the day. But uh, it allows us to go out there and um, do our job. Without being heard. That's why we're called the silent service. So it's they're applying all that stealth technology that we see in the airplanes to uh, submarines and boats of all kinds, right? That's correct. Um, the Navy does have um, planes that are actually built to try and find submarines in keyword try. Yeah. So they do what they can. It's pretty cool. Now, uh, Joe, you've been in for 18 years. Have you always been on subs or what other sorts of uh, craft have you been on? Yes, sir. I've been uh, been in for almost 18 years. I've been a cook for that uh, that long, uh, almost 18 years. Um, it's just a special kind of breed to be on submarines for 18 years and to be cooking for 18 years to enjoy it long enough to stay in. And it goes from being a job to uh, a uh, unforgettable career. We're going to come right back and chat more with Joe Kelly and Anthony Sanchez. They are a couple of uh, culinary specialists from the soon-to-be USS South Dakota, which is a Virginia-class submarine and uh, will be will be uh, official sometime within the next next fall next right okay cool we're gonna come right back on the Patrick Lally Show Information One Thousand K S O O and welcome back to the Patrick Lally Show Information One Thousand K S O O and we return to our conversation with a couple of sailors from the soon to be USS South Dakota our Virginia class submarine named for our fine state Joe Kelly. He's originally from San Diego and Anthony Sanchez from New York City. Uh, fellas, we were talking about the job that you have on the submarine, which is as cooks and, and how difficult that is. Did you, when you went in the military, did you know that's what you were going to do? Or how did you end up being cooks, of all things, in the Navy? I was not expecting to be a cook. <laughs> I, uh, I was trying to get away from home, joined the Navy, they uh, offered me a few jobs. Cook sounded like the best one to me. Before the Navy, I never cooked a day in my life. <laughs> I am sp- raised by my grandma, spoiled, rotten. So I figured, hey, cook. Uh, I, have, I have some good cooks in my family, and uh, 
It can't be that hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now yeah. you got it down, right? You're military trained. Yeah, um, kind of trained, uh, trained about it, and it's it's actually pretty cool. I pretty, I enjoy it. I cook at home now, so uh, I don't mind it. That's awesome. And uh, Joe, you've been doing this for a long time, but did you know that's what you were gonna do? Um, actually, uh, not really. I'm almost the same story. Um, I um, you know, a couple years after I graduated high school, I was still living with the parents and all that. So there was some discipline that was needed in my life. So Took the ASVAB and uh, mm-hmm. found out that uh, cook was offered to me. Um, I did used to cook with my mom, you know, here mm-hmm. and there, but it wasn't really an idea. So I just get, decided to give it a try along with uh, I was asked to volunteer for submarine service. Mm-hmm. So didn't know where it was really going from there. But uh, 18 years later, I'm still loving it. Yeah. So you've been on the PCU, soon to be USS South Dakota. Uh, tell us about the boat. What's it like? Well, on the boat, uh, quite honestly, uh, we are a special kind of breed. I, I know doing this for 18 years, for me, it's to, uh, I get down below and we start uh, cooking. And quite honestly, most of the time I lose track of time and I have to ask the guys if we've gone underway yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, for me, for doing this for so long, that's just how, how it is for me. Did you, uh, do you, have you been able to see the world, as, it, as they say? Quite honestly, uh, no. I haven't been able to go to the, uh, the foreign countries like some of my uh, my junior sailors have gone. I've I've gone to uh, Hawaii and I've gone to San Diego where I'm from, but just basically domestic stuff for me. Oh, that's wild. So uh, what's it like then to spend that much time below water? Uh, my, my first time going underway on a sub, I was a nervous wreck. Um, first time experiencing it, not sure what to what was gonna hit me, so that was bad. But now it's a uh, it's kind of second nature. It's uh it's not. I don't get nervous at all. It's just we have everything down there. We have our food. We have our uh, fellow shipmates that they do they do their jobs, work out on a sub. You, so anything you could do on land, you could do down there. It's kind of like we're on our own little city almost. That's incredible to think about. Did you, uh, um, did you, when you, is, you know, when I watch like movies, all right, okay, and this is bad, right? This is a bad uh, a correlation here. But it always seems like the sub is creaking, like, because they're always in bad way, right? Because it's a movie. What's it sound like when you're down there? Well, my, uh, my opinion, you do hear some of that, um, but it's, just the the mission on what we're doing, where, what we're doing at the time, what uh, what angles we're at, what what just the sea state we're in, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we're such a modern submarine that they take away some of that, so we can't be heard in the first place. Yeah, I suppose it's it's bound up pretty tight because you're stealth. Yes, sir. Right, that's amazing to think about. Can you tell when you're at a different angle? Like you got a good, you're working on a hill. Yes, you you could uh, feel when you're going down. You could feel it when you're going up. You could feel when you're when you're rolling when you're up. Um, last time I was out, I got caught up in like three hurricanes. Oh. So it was just things flying all over the place. At that point, the best thing to do is go down. Yeah, yeah. And just, even when you're underwater, it's still pretty turbulent until you get way down, right? Yes. So how far down do you have to be before it's a little bit calm? You don't know. You can't say. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That is a uh, a trade secret, right? Got it. Got it. But it's being in a hurricane. That's got to be a little frightening, at any rate. Yeah, it was. Uh, 
it was pretty rough. It kind of sucked because we were we were supposed to pull in, and then with the whole hurricane situation, we had to stay out there a few more days, um, and we weren't able to come up or do anything. But it was it was all right. It was got over after a, a few minutes. Do you ever come up and just be out in the middle of the ocean somewhere? I actually got to experience that uh, three times. What's that like? It's it's amazing. You're you're just in the middle of the ocean on top of the boat. Guys jump in the water. You're kidding? And, yeah, and wherever you're at, it, it's it's pretty cool. That's amazing because you know, especially when you think when you got in, when you went down, you were probably you know near land, right? And then you come up and it's just nothing but ocean. Yeah, and everybody just goes up, up, up top. We call it. See if you have phone service. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see if you have phone service and make a quick phone call if possible. Yeah, you got Wi-Fi down there? You can oh, surf the net? And you got net? Yeah, I suppose not. Uh, uh, well, uh, Joe Kelly and Anthony Sanchez, they are uh, culinary specialists from the soon-to-be USS South Dakota. And that'll be uh, a real USS South Dakota probably by the end of the year. And uh, it's going to be, you guys going to be doing us proud. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs> 456 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on Saturday, Girls Breaker Day. This is a cool event, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Journey Group Companies at 4500 West 58th Street. Girls from 5th through 10th grade are invited to come and take stuff apart. Bring your own stuff, but computers, keyboards, and other stuff will be available to take apart. Girls will learn about computers and electronics and be given a challenge to locate specific items to build a craft project. The event is free. Go to girlsbreakerday.splashthat.com. It's girlsbreakerday.splashthat.com. I think we better take a short minute here to uh, update on the weather. we got some stuff going on out there, Dan. What's yeah, happening? The National Weather Service has put together a severe thunderstorm warning for southeastern Charles Mix County and northwestern Bonham County until 530 this evening. And there's a thunder shower that is producing some pretty strong wind gusts and half-dollar-sized hail that is going to kind of slide between Danny and Avon. So that's kind of the area that it's working. And as far as showers in the immediate area, some lighter rain between Canton and Beersford this afternoon. It's been popping up all over. And uh, we had some rain in the northern part of the city earlier. Now it's south. And uh, it's been sunny here at the studio all day, but I see there's some clouds now. Yeah, more clouds now. And about a quarter inch of a rain earlier this morning, about between five and six this morning, so yeah, I, I had the, heard, I saw the lightning, heard the, did you heard the rain? It was pretty heavy there for a minute. It's pretty active here this yesterday and today, and so. we know how this works. You get you get a you know a storm pop up out there in the Charles Mix County or what have you, and pretty soon they're all over the place, right? Well, that is remaining to be seen, but we'll have reports from the KSFY Severe Weather Center throughout the night, and if we need to here in the Sioux Falls area, we'll let you know. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Dan. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we'll talk about developments in South Dakota politics with Republican consultant and friend of the show. That's true. It's Mr. Tony Reese. We'll be back. Always good to have Tony on. Also, cotton candy aficionado. He probably won't be wearing one of his trademark sweaters, though, because it's hot. The Buffalo Maiden is our weird friend of the day. We're going to have a good time. He's got to bring cotton candy, though. He said he would. Didn't he? We'll see. 
Thanks for being here, everybody. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. See you tomorrow.